You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, and thank you for joining us for a mindful moment. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive life's challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation. Working together, we can learn and grow from any experience. So, let's get started. I hope you're well and safe and continue to practice mindfulness in the midst of a lot of chaos. I wrote a script for one of our animated shorts a couple of weeks ago stating that stay-at-home mandates were not the most effective way to prevent the spread of a virus. We are still in the midst of a pandemic, by the way, even though it has practically disappeared from the news with all of the news on that other event that we'll get to in a moment. After reading the results of the UC Berkeley study released this week, I feel a need to revise my original statement to, staying at home may not be the most efficient way to fight a virus, but it has been very effective. According to the study, early April shutdowns prevented 60 million people from infection in the United States and over 500 million worldwide. Staying home to help prevent others from becoming sick is a very mindful act, requiring a great sacrifice of time and money for many. Give yourself a big pat on the back for helping to prevent millions of people from becoming sick or dying. Unfortunately, we can all probably expect to see an increase in COVID-19 cases in the next couple of weeks due to the reopening of most countries combined with the large crowds congregating to protest police brutality. George Floyd was laid to rest on Tuesday, but I believe the protests will continue for some time to come. Please take extra precautions to stay well, and if you protest in a large crowd, consider getting tested. My concerns a week ago that nothing would change because of the outcry over George Floyd's murder have begun to morph into something more like hope and anxiety combined. Hope from the feeling that this civil unrest is different, and local governments are responding differently than in the past. Anxiety because the kind of change we're looking at could be massive. I absolutely want racism to end, but what we're facing in this moment is a lot of uncertainty, which of course breeds anxiety. In his book The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell describes a tipping point as that magic moment when an idea, trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. He states that three characteristics emerge to create that tipping point. First, a small number of people in a small number of situations in which the police or social forces that have some impact start behaving very differently 
and that behavior somehow spreads to others. Interestingly, under our current circumstances, he uses the analogy of a virus spreading into an epidemic. Second is that a small event has a big effect. This is not to say that George Floyd's tragic murder is a small event at an individual level, but considering the long history and large number of similar incidents in the past, it could be seen as just another example of police brutality, so small in historical context. The third distinguishing characteristic is that change happens rapidly. So, if we have contagiousness, little causes having big effects, and change that happens fast and dramatically, we've reached a tipping point. And tipping points tend to result in substantial and sustainable change. The current protests and global response to George Floyd's death feels like it might be a tipping point. Now, as we're in the midst of transition without clear direction and with no idea what the future holds, instead of focusing on external potential problems, blame, frustration, and fear, or as we struggle with what we should be doing in the outside world as part of this movement, what if we spent a little time looking inward first? Most people resist change through avoidance, and here we are with everything changing all around us. For many people, change may not be avoidable now. We need to understand our own biases, experiences, and values. We need to decide if we want our lives going forward to look like they did in the past, if that's even possible. But isn't now a good time to take stock of where we are, where we want to go, and what changes we may want to make on an individual level? And can we find the gifts that might be hidden in the unexpected events we're experiencing? How can we make changes in our lives under current circumstances, though? I asked today's guest for some help with this, from a mindful perspective, of course. Please note that we conducted this interview before George Floyd's death. Allison Canavan is an international motivational speaker, an integrative health coach, author, and UCLA-trained mindfulness facilitator. Welcome, Allison. Oh, it's so good to be with you, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I so appreciate it. I wanted to talk to you first about something we just did on another podcast episode regarding waiting. And I think there are a lot of people just waiting, thinking that they can't do anything about their situation or their condition or their life while they're confined to the four walls. And that's such an anxious state of being that it concerns me. And I wanted to know what your take was on that or what you suggest to your own clients that maybe you're feeling like that. That's a brilliant question, and by the way. And as you're asking me, I'm like, that's a really, really interesting question because it's not too unlike what we were doing in the real world, which is we want everything now. Like we live in a world of instant gratification. So now I want answers now. I want results now. That's where the whole, you know, pill came from now. You know, we want to be fixed now as well. And now we're in a situation where I'm seeing it every day with people where it's like, I don't want to wait. And one of the things as human beings that we have lost over time is having the ability to be patient. And we want to manifest our dreams now. And actually, when we begin to understand that patience is the key and that we, you know, we learn more on the journey than we do when we get to the destination. So I always say to my clients, and what happens the day this ends, if that's what you're waiting for? Like what happens, you know? 
And I keep saying to people, I've said from the start, if you were told today that we're all going back to normal, whatever that is, like, I don't think anybody, anything would be normal again. But if you were told today that everything was going back to the way it was on Monday, what would you think? And pretty much 100% of my clients have sat with it and I've done some breathing with them and they've gone, but I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that and I wanted to clear out the kitchen and I actually wanted to do stuff in that room and actually there was another thing. And all of a sudden now we reframe it and it's like, oh, hold on a second. There is actually loads of things I would like to get done. So it's interesting just to observe in this moment because if you feel confined by the four walls, you feel that way out in the real world too because it's your limited paradigm thinking. It's, it's the, it's the condition-based driven world that we operate from. So what I teach people is dream building. I teach that you can dream your life into being no matter what your circumstances. I don't believe that we're a product of our circumstances or situation. It's really from living a whole life of feeling trapped in my own circumstances. You know, I come from a background of having mental health issues, being medicated for 20 years. I come from my own personal addiction background. And so I know that I always felt trapped and limited by what I had been told and by what was told to me about me. So it's interesting that when we begin to liberate ourselves and we begin to expand our thinking into a different type of thinking and a different way of being, we begin to see that anything's possible. And during this time, I have been working with clients who have experienced astonishing transformations, like astonishing transformations. Like one of my clients lost her job a few weeks ago and decided to just immerse herself in the dream building program. And now she has manifested a new job in the middle of quarantine. I have other clients who are like, okay, this is the time when they've lost their jobs. They're going to start putting down the blueprint for a new business. But I think more so than anything, we're hearing this all the time, Teresa. And I suppose when we hear it all the time, people go, oh, not another person who's saying, this is a time to go within and do that entry. You know, it was something that we hear a lot often we begin to ignore. But this is a time and an opportunity for us to go within. It really is. It's a time for us to take a moment, have a pause, spend that little bit of time connecting with our hearts. Always say to people, your heart is a portal. Dropping down into your heart, working with the heart energy is one of the most powerful things you can do in this life, no matter what the external circumstances or situations are. I've heard you say that it's an inside out world. And that kind of sounds like part of what you're talking about here. So could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, so I really do believe, because I, I was trained to, I, I entered the modeling industry at the age of 15. So I was trained into a world where it was the external world gave you your set of values and self-esteem. So how I looked each day, how I showed up, and it also depended on what someone said about me. Like, if that's what you're going to place your value and worth on every day, you're really walking a tightrope, you know, of kind of not feeling very good and feeling vulnerable. And I used to wake up every day and go, oh, what will today bring? And I remember going into castings and people had looked through my book and some of them wouldn't even look at you. They'd still stay in the conversation and go, yeah, thanks. And I'm like, you didn't even look at a photo. When we wake up and we're waiting for someone else to validate who we are, we could be waiting our entire lives to hear the one thing that we're waiting to hear. And when I started to learn in my journey inwards through meditation, and I started the journey through meditation in my late teens. So there was two lives running parallel. There was the modeling fashion industry. And then I was going on these retreats all the time. And 
I was going on these retreats and then I was coming back from the retreat and going back into my normal life and wondering what, what was wrong. My consistency and my ability to show up for myself wasn't there. So I was, I was looking for someone else to fix me. Like I was going on a retreat and I was sitting there and I was going, okie dokie, fix me. Same in the therapist chair, the same with the doctor. Fix me, tell me, give me something, tell me what I need to do. And through many years of practice, I realized that it was all inside of me. And one of my teachers used to say that to me. He used to say to me, Alison, you have everything you need contained within. And I'm thinking, right, not quite sure what he's on about, but, you know, I'll go with it. And actually, it was when I had my son. And all of a sudden, life wasn't about me anymore. It was about a little person who needed me to be awake and aware to look after him. And I suffered postpartum depression and I became really disappointed in myself. But what I realized is that what was happening to me postpartum was a, a, a similar thread that had been running through my entire life. It was just presenting in a different form. So it was that sense of not feeling good enough, trying to be superwoman, worried about what people thought on the outside. You know, I was a single mom, so I kind of felt like I had this sense of responsibility to who I'm not quite sure, <laughs> you know, but I wanted people to see that I wasn't struggling and that I, I was able to do this and I could do it by myself. And I put enormous pressure on myself to do everything and go back to work and, you know, put on this brave face. And then it all spectacularly fell apart <laughs> in spectacular fashion. And what I realized in that moment was when I literally felt like I had nothing left. I just went within and I asked for help and I really began to understand that when I went within, I was presented with answers and I was able to bit by bit by bit begin to work on myself and start to work on my self-esteem and change my daily habits and incorporate meditation daily and eat really good food and get out and connect with nature. And I all of a sudden started to see that there was another way to be, there was another way to live. And I was like, this is an inside out world. Because when I changed inside about how I felt, I became less concerned about what people thought of me from the outside. And, you know, it's, this is a lifetime of work. Like, I don't think anyone has this fully figured out. You know, I think it's, it's a lifetime of, of learning and growing and evolving. But one thing I know for sure is that we are spiritual beings and this body is just our house and it's a temporary home while we're here. So that spiritual aspect of us is always seeking a freer, fuller expansion of itself. And because I didn't see it that way and I felt that this avatar was everything, of course it was, I was in the modeling industry. I wasn't allowing my spirit to really expand and live the freer, fuller version of myself. So I was kind of living a very nervous, constricted, and uptight kind of life. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of everyone. I didn't really like being in my own world or with myself. And when I began to go inside, I began to allow myself to be a little bit more expansive. And it's a whole different energy because when you open up to the world, the world opens up to you. And then, of course, I met the extraordinary Howard Martin from Hartmouth, who I adore, and began to truly understand the power of working with the heart energy which i never realized before and began to understand that you know the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain does the rest of the body and in this you know modern world we live in we have given our mind the power over everything 
And we're trying to solve our problems with the same mind that's created them, you know, and we can't seem to get out of our own way and we can't seem to work through it. And then what we learn is just by dropping down into the heart and even placing your hand on your heart and connecting and activating your heart energy every day, you now begin to get access to a different part of yourself, to a different aspect of yourself that actually really knows who you are, you know, and now we start to open that door. I have people I work with that when they drop down into the heart and I work in healing as well. So I can feel people's energy and I can feel people that they're about to burst out crying and that scares them because when we drop down into the heart, two things happen. First of all, vulnerability starts to emerge. And when people feel vulnerable, they get scared. It's something, it's a place they're not used to going. And so there's a tendency for people to panic and shut down at that, that point. But I always say to people, when you open the heart, you're opening your internal support system. And on one side, vulnerability emerges. But then in equal measures on the other side, we have courage because that's where the word heart comes from. Cour in French is heart. So your vulnerability is supported fully with, you, with your own courage. So when we work with the heart, now we're able to be vulnerable and courageous. So opening up that inner support system really gives us the courage to start accessing more of ourselves, more of our own true nature. And when we do that, we begin to be able to access a part of us and ask bigger questions like, what kind of life would I love to live? Because I know for years I was trapped in the, what can I do? What am I able to do? What am I qualified to do? What do I have enough money to do? I mean, the questions go on and on and on. So I always asked limiting questions and then wondered why I wasn't manifesting the life of my dreams. But when we ask different questions, we invite different answers in and different quality answers as well. So what kind of life would I love to live? Now, that opens up a whole different energy. That question in and of itself is expansive and exciting. And we start to move into the world of possibility for ourselves. And I always encourage people to put down on paper whatever emerges in that moment. And the how is none of your business. We get so caught up with, but I need to know how, but I need to know how. And once we just gently push the how out of the way <laughs> and we ask ourselves more expansive questions through a heart-centered connection, now we begin to tap into this inner passion and driving purpose. People are always asking me, I always care about my purpose and my passion and I don't know. And I'm like, well, it will emerge when you just get quiet. Get quiet, trust, work with your heart, journal, be patient. Pay. Patience is coming up a lot for people. And it's one of my biggest life lessons, by the way, Teresa. Like literally every coach I've ever worked with has, been said, has said to me, and now we go into patience, Alison. <laughs> And I think it's a human thing. I do. I think, you know, we need to be a little bit easier with ourselves because we have just come out of a world that was moving at an alarming rate. And most people weren't even in their life at all. You know, they weren't present. They weren't experiencing their life. By the time they got home in the evening, they were exhausted. You know, they couldn't even connect with their family. So I think there's so much going on at the moment um, in the world and we just need to be a little bit patient with ourselves, and maybe just take a step back and just be okay with where you are right now. 
I totally agree. And, and we're seeing it all over the place, people losing patience already. And it's like, oh, we still have a ways to go. <laughs> you really got to tap into that patience factor. Kind of along those same lines, a lot of people also have trouble or challenges around finding the positive mm-hmm. in something that at first glance looks like it's all negative. I'm a firm believer in there's always an upside to everything. That's the balance of life. I'm just wondering, just personally, are you finding any positives that are coming out of this shutdown and being contained more at home and you know everything that we're going through right now? It's really interesting that today of all days you asked that question because I sat down this morning with my son outside and both of us looked at each other and had a moment of, gosh, I feel really blessed. And even now I feel quite emotional. And I just realized in that moment that the last few weeks I've said to myself, oh, I feel quite calm and I feel quite rested. And this morning I was like, wow, I think it's taken this long actually for me to truly ground, you know, for the stress to really kind of have dissipated. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come in peaks and troughs. But what I've learned is that I have just had some stunning revelations within for myself during this time. You know, I've been pushed to kind of the brink. And like you said there, it's like so much has fallen away. So much has fallen apart. I've lost jobs. I've lost so much that I'm like, how am I going to survive? And then I've leaned into what I know to be true. And I've done the practices and worked at my heart and truly leaned into the possibility that there's something even greater still out there for me. And other, like even today, I got, came off a phone call with another opportunity, but there have been days where I've thought, what is going on? And am I going to be okay? And I do have an inner core belief that there's a gift in every single thing that happens to us in this life. Like we might not immediately see the gift because you know, we're, we're kind of clouded in all sorts of different emotions and the heightened state of being. But there is always a gift and there's always learning, even when at the time it seems like the world is falling apart. And unfortunately, what I've learned about my own journey and what I see with my clients is that we do most of our growth during times of suffering, most of our personal growth. And people who are super happy don't kind of sit down and go, I really want to sit down and do the work on myself. Like usually it takes them, um, you know, a traumatic life experience for us to go, okay, do you know what? Something's got to change. Like we will keep going and going and going and going and we'll push ourselves to the brink of burnout or something terrible will happen or we'll lose our job or we'll lose a loved one and then we'll go, okay, something has to change in my life. And unfortunately, I wish it wasn't that way for most human beings, but unfortunately it is. And I think for a lot of people, you know, they've sat down and they've gone, okay, so... I need to change something. There's stuff in my life that's just not working and no better time than now. There is a gift in everything and I see a massive, massive, massive shift in people and in their sense of awakening and understanding that they need to live more of life. Like the amount of people that have said to me, I need more joy, like more joy. Like I I have no fun. I'm going to work. I'm coming home. And when I come home, I'm not in good form. And then I go to sleep and I get up and I do it again. And then I start to the weekend. I don't really enjoy anything. So people are like, where's the fun? Like, let's bring fun back, you know? And so that's a really positive thing as well. One final question, which is when you're feeling anxious, and I think it's important to say this, 
everybody feels anxiety. You know, you could be a lifelong meditator. It doesn't mean you're not human anymore. You're still going to feel periods of anxiety or frustration or any of the normal emotions everyone has. But when you hit that point that you're feeling very anxious, what is your go-to? What do you do to get recentered or to calm down quickly or, you know, whatever your practice is, what is it? It's breathing. For me, the breath is so powerful. And uh, I always lean into my breath practices. And I struggled with anxiety, Teresa, for about 20 years of my life, chronic anxiety. Like I was medicated for that length of time. And that's why I leaned into alcohol because it took the edge off my anxiety. And I was in this horrible cycle. And I do breath practices multiple times a day, even when I have absolutely no anxiety because I know what it's like to go back there. But really it's about becoming aware of your body and noticing the signs. So sometimes I'll miss the signs. So the whole idea I always say to catch it before it catches you. So to try and notice what are the signs in your body. So for me, I start to get just a sense of ungroundedness, a little bit touchy, and I start to get a tightness in my chest. And if it's gone the next step, I'll start to get sweaty palms, you know? And so what I do is I just stop in that moment and I do long, slow, deep breaths, so in through my nose. And then like I'm breathing out a straw through my mouth, so not forced, but slow. And I do several of those breaths. And then I do the four, seven, eight breath technique from Dr. Andrew Ryle, which is amazing. You breathe in for four, hold for seven, and breathe out for eight. And breathing just signals a sense of safety to your body. And I actually do my breath practices until I feel I'm grounded. So some days that might be a range of seven or eight. And some days I might have to sit there for 10 minutes and do breathing. So some people are like, oh yeah, I did that for a minute and it didn't work. And it's like, oh no, 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 no. That's, that's not how it works. Like we have trained our bodies for an entire lifetime to be stressed. Like most people actually approach their day from stress and they don't even realize it because they're in low lying stress all the time. So they're kind of like getting up and approaching their goals and attacking their day from a place of stress. So using their cortisol and adrenaline and, you know, drinking coffee every day. So very few people actually approach their day from a state of coherence. And that's why dropping down into your heart first thing in the morning, as soon as my eyes open, I place my hand on my heart in bed and I begin to practice heart focused breathing and I set an intention for the day, simple like today's a great day, everything is always working out for me. And I just sink into gratitude. So I'm signaling safety to my body and bringing my body into coherence. And now I can begin going about my day from a, having a better chance, <laughs> you know, of not getting stressed too quickly because we all live in the real world and stress happens quickly. And our bodies remember stress quicker than it remembers relaxation. So it's the consistency of doing these practices I find like I have to do the practices at this time, multiple times a day. So before it would have been wake up and meditate and meditate before I go to bed. Now I'm like leaning into my practice multiple times throughout the day. And that's just to trying to keep myself on an even keel. So that shows us that everybody is struggling right now to kind of keep themselves centered in some shape or form. And because there's such a sense of insecurity and misinformation and all of these things going on in the outside world and we're trying to kind of find our place in this space at the moment that's unknown and uncharted territory and you know it's kind of like we're walking the plank you know we're not sure when we're going to fall off or get to the end or if we're going to be able to get back to safety and so 
I always say to people, when you're feeling that and that overwhelm comes, just bring yourself home. And home to me is my heart. Bring yourself home. If you can't do anything else, go there. And just take a deep breath and just be. Just be in that moment. And keep doing that as often as you need to. I don't think these practices are optional anymore. I don't. Years ago, I would have said, yeah, you can meditate if you want to, or if you don't, I'm like, I don't think they're optional. And I think that's truly what we're learning about this time. Thank you so much for such useful and lovely information that I hope a lot of people will listen to and practice. I want to remind people too, that if you're new to starting this, you may even need to set reminders for yourself to do it because it's not a habit yet. But once you make it a habit, you'll find that you can much better self-regulate. You can remain calmer. When we're calmer, we make better decisions. We can think more clearly. And of course, we have more creativity. And I think all of that is very necessary right now, maybe more than ever. So thank you, Allison, so much for sharing. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, Teresa. Stay well. Bye-bye. Whether you decide to make changes in your own life or not, chances are you're going to experience some stress or anxiety as the world changes around you. A simple practice to relieve stress and to build your mindfulness skills is a basic relaxation breathing meditation. Relax your body and begin noticing your breath. Notice how it feels moving through your body. Breathe in through the nose to a count of four and exhale through the mouth to a count of eight. As you exhale, purse your lips like you are blowing out a candle. Breathe in, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's repeat. In, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Continue breathing into a count of four and out to a count of eight. this breathing technique anytime you feel stress or anxiety rising. You can also choose to practice this simple exercise throughout your day to create a healthy habit. Do it before you answer the phone, as you get into your car, each time you go to the bathroom, before each meal, and at bedtime. Remember that even as external events feel out of control, we do have control over ourselves. And that's what will help us not only survive trying times, but allow us to thrive, regardless of what's going on around us.
Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it even during challenging times. Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. Until next time, remember to be mindful. If you'd like to learn more about Allison, her full 360 events, or her coaching program focused on the achievement of true health and well-being for everyone by tapping into the power of human potential, visit her website at allisoncanavan.com. To watch any of our interviews from the podcast, visit our website at worktoliveproductions.com. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please rate this podcast so that others can find us. And follow us on social media at work to live A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Scroll, by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Meditation music, Shattered Paths, by Akash Gandhi. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.